What is up, Hoopers, Analytics, Bad Guys, Bucket Getters, Boosters, Blue Bloods, and New Bloods? On today's episode, we are talking about the clash of the Blue Bloods and the New Bloods. Kentucky's playing Gonzaga at Gonzaga in Spokane. Where is it going on? Does that matter? We're also joined by recruiting insider and big catfish. Now, trout, no, salmon. He catches it all. It is Caldwell Zag. What's Buckle up? up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome aboard. Hello, Hoop World. Do you ever wish you could find time to read more? Audiobooks can help you read more while living your life. And no one has more audiobooks than Audible. Right now, I'm listening to Basketball and Other Things by Shea Serrano. Shea is a super intelligent basketball writer who puts a modern spin on the game we all love. And Basketball and Other Things is this quintessential companion read for basketball fans. You can download it for free as part of a free Audible trial. Get 30 days for free with New Bloods at audibletrial.com slash newbloods. That's audibletrial.com slash newbloods. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com slash N-E-W-B-L-O-O-D-S. Hello, Hoop World. My name is Tug Clary. I write for Sleeper Soul Fits, Busting Brackets, and Hello, Hoop World. And joining me today, enemy number one of Lexington, Kentucky, and the neighboring towns that grace that sweet, sweet bluegrass nation, it is Josh Linky. You know, I'm just happy to be here, uh, sustaining myself off of the tears of Big Blue Nation. Joining us with alongside Josh is the fisherman that could tell us all how this whole catfishing with John Calipari worked. It is Caldwell. How are we doing, Caldy? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. So we're going to talk about recruiting. We're trying to talk about this basketball game. Let's just get into it, though. Like, what are our initial thoughts? If you haven't heard... Mark View called in to an Eastern Kentucky flood relief uh, program held at the Rupp Arena that Calipari and his team was running and offered a deal of a lifetime to John and uh, agreed to uh, play a home-and-home with the Kentucky Wildcats. But interesting enough, November 20th, 2022, the first of the back-to-back, uh, is being played in Spokane. And the pitch was it was being played at Gonzaga. Fuey offered up a uh, auction item of seats right behind the bench for for the uh, relief program. And then a couple days go by and we find out, oh, actually, it's not going to be played at uh, the McCarthy Athletic Center. We're, we're going to actually go a, a mile or so down the road to the Spokane Veterans Memorial Coliseum. I feel yeah. like we need to get the, what's that guy's name from Catfish? Neve. Uh, we, need to, <laughs> we need to enlist him to come out and figure out what is going on here. Because, you know, ultimately, like, you know, this, this is not a home and home. We were promised a home and home. And this is not that. Spokane Arena is not where Gonzaga plays basketball when they're in Spokane. Uh, matter of fact, I would I would say that Spokane Arena is meant for monster truck rallies, arena football, and minor league hockey. It is not and, meant for college premier college basketball. 
It's also meant for Machine Gun Kelly. Um, it's meant for uh, Scorpion is playing there with White Snake. It's for Judas Priest sometimes. Jane's it, Addiction. Those are all fun uh, events for certain types of people, but I don't feel like Gonzaga basketball people are generally the types that that seek out those entertainment pleasures. I could be wrong. There could be some out there who are into those sorts of Scorpion things. Scorpion rips, dude. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll hold you against that. Scorpion is straight fuego. I enjoy a little classic rock in my in my day. Um, big journey guy over here. Um, that being said, you know, uh, I, I kind of feel like we're being, you know, we're being led by uh, MGK and, you know, and forced to to head uh, into Spokane Arena with blinders on. Um, and this is just not this is not really what we signed up for. Yeah. And and with that, I think ultimately, like, it's interesting who's more upset about this whole process. Josh, I know you and I were pretty vocal vocal in our disappointment in the fact that it's played at the Spoken Arena. And I'm interested in, for lack of a better, the outrage by both Big Blue Nation uh, with the idea that this was orchestrated by John Calipari because he would never run away from a fight, never run away from a high school gym. Or is the bigger outrage um, some of... Gonzaga's fan base thinking there's a level of entitlement about wanting this game to be played in a 6,000 person arena where there are no general admission tickets, student section and boosters. It's the only way you get in. Um, so I, I want to address both of those points because number and I'll, I'll start with the Gonzaga point because look, I, I understand the the perspective that the average little guy in Spokane does not have access to tickets at McCarthy. I know that that's a thing. There's there's it's it's an it's an ongoing issue that's been out there for years. And when tickets do hit the secondary market, they are generally pretty expensive. That being said, if you think that playing Kentucky at Spokane Arena is going to open up a huge block of cheap tickets for the little guy in Spokane. You are very mistaken. These are going to be snapped up by resellers and hit the secondary market for five, six, seven hundred dollars a piece very quickly. I guarantee you, because I, I know for a fact last year, the game against Alabama at Climate Pledge Arena in, in downtown Seattle sold out in less than an hour. This game at Spokane Arena is going to sell out in less time than that, probably 30 minutes. And I guarantee you that a good portion of those tickets are going to hit the secondary market and they will not be available for uh, Joe and his kids to come out and enjoy a Gonzaga basketball game. If you want to make it easier for the lower middle class or uh, lower class of our society to go to Gonzaga games, then you need to hold buy games at Spokane arena where you know, maybe mm -hmm. Kent State or so-and-so, you play in front of 12,000 people on those nights instead of Kentucky. This does not open anything up. This just, just this is just more of the same, only 12,600 people of the same. Like, it's it's not, this does not change the circumstances of, of Gonzaga's economic status for, for basketball games. Yeah, I, and Cobble, I'm interested in, in your perspective on the Gonzaga fan base either being uh, upset that it's not at the MAC or upset 
that there's like a level of entitlement by folks like me who would far rather have this in a home gym. Oh man, I I would be I'm pissed personally about it not being at McCarthy. Like that's where it should be. Um, this game should have been played at home, at home, not the Spokane Arena. There's no way about it. I mean, Calipari said it exactly in his tweet. He's like, anyone that wants us to play at a 6,000-person stadium wants us to lose. Dude, that's dodging coming to McCarthy, period. He's dodging the Zegs at home. He's going to play them on the road, but not at home. And Spokane Arena is not our home arena. So why not play this in Seattle? Why not play it at Kia Arena, honestly, at this point? Yeah, and and I'm so fascinated by the idea, Josh, as you mentioned, about this being now accessible to uh, uh, middle, lower-income people to see a basketball game. That's not a thing with college or professional athletics. Like, that's the whole problem. Like, th- having an extra 6,000 seats is not going to alleviate that. The price point, entry price point, even before, like you say, it's going to get price gouged by resellers. At best, a upper level ticket's going to be $60. Like, I can't imagine uh, with this level of matchup that tickets are going to be less than $30. There's no way. Yeah, I, I got a text from a friend who was a Zag fan last night, and he was basically telling me that I was soft for thinking that uh, Gonzaga... Uh, playing at Spokane Arena was a bad thing. That said that you know I was being snooty and that I I'm uh, too whiny about the whole process. And I, I just was like, my guy, you're gonna literally pay for plane tickets to fly out to Spokane because you don't live there, and then probably pay a reseller or if you're lucky enough to to win the raffle day one when the tickets pop, um, you know to go to this this thing. And, you know, you're, you are not, you are not a lower, you are not the one of the people here that people complain about not being able to go to Gonzaga games. You go to Gonzaga games, several of them every single year. So this idea that, oh, I never get, I never get to see it. You've been to McCarthy. I know you have. Okay. So just stop like this, this idea that, that it's, it's opening up a block of tickets for, for lesser disadvantaged folks is bull crap. It just, it just is. You know what it opens up? You know what it opens up? It opens up about 6,000 tickets for Kentucky fans. I mean, oh, honestly. Yeah, and, and I guarantee you that Kentucky fans will buy tickets on the reseller market because there, there are plenty of Kentucky fans that will make this trip. They, they try. There's plenty they of Kentucky. Well. They're the Yankees. There's Kentucky fans everywhere. They don't yeah. even need to travel that far. There, A lot there of them. Like, there are like maybe five or six Kentucky fans who live in Spokane who get on me all the time when I rail against Kentucky, which I find amazing, but that's the reach of Kentucky basketball. They are everywhere. Yeah. And, and I, what also is fascinating to me is uh, as somebody that's been super fortunate, I went to Gonzaga. My parents took me to Gonzaga games when uh, back when it was in the Martin center and I, I have a relationship with this program, uh, personally seeing it blossom. And I was at, I've been to a lot of Gonzaga games in the Spokane arena growing up in Spokane. And let me tell you, yeah, they weren't playing Kentucky, but considering the level of competition and the level of the program as it grew, the environment, not great. 
all the things that you complain about the McCarthy Athletic Center with people sitting on their hands or being disinterested. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be any different at an exhibition game in a random arena. I have not bet the best basketball game I've seen in the Spokane Arena was Kevin Durant against Nick Young in the NCAA tournament. And even that was mid compared to playing in an actual home environment. I think ultimately what we're going to get is what I saw as a child at the Memphis Gonzaga game, which, oh, wow, Joe, Joe, good old John Calipari was the coach of that team. Wonder why they played there that time too, even though they're a Conference USA team. Seeing that game, like... People were doing the wave during that game. The like the the level of uh, investment um, was not there, and I I think what I I question our idea of what community but this team ultimately is. Yes, I think there should be buy games. Yes, I think the McCarthy Athletic Center should have had a thousand to two thousand more seats when it was built. I think in buy games and definitely during winter break, open up those student tickets as much as possible to uh, youth basketball leagues for first run to buy tickets when they go on the market, open it up to just people in the community finding a way to get their tickets in their hands when they're playing a lower level team. Yes, I'm sorry it's not Kentucky, but it's still a Gonzaga basketball game. You're still seeing seven, eight future NBA to EuroLeague level talent playing every single game. I I don't think that basketball games in the basketball environment needs to be based on the accessibility to a community. You know what the ultimate community is for Gonzaga basketball? Gonzaga University. And this is going to sound heavy-handed and a little elitist. And yeah, there's a lot of gripes to make, even about how the students sometimes show up to games. But this is about building a program and building a institution of basketball. And you do that at home. You do that in front of a student section, the loud, one of the loudest student sections. ESPN talks about loving coming up and video, videographing the, the whole student section, doing Zombie Nation and everything. You're losing that. You're going from three feet from the sideline, two feet from the sideline to now 25. Right. You're going to have a, a media row. You're going to have cameramen. You're going to have anything and everything possible to give distance so that Cal's freshmen don't have to have students yelling in their ears. Like I, I, I just, for the life of me, you are. there is no reality if I'm Mark Few where I say, you know what? This is fine because this is not fine. This is not what makes the Gonzaga brand special. Spokane, he doesn't play at Spokane Arena otherwise, except for, you know, like a couple times against Wazoo and the whole time Calipari was at Memphis. Like, that's pretty much it. You know, there was a few other games there, but ultimately, like, this has been a Calipari against Gonzaga issue for the better part of the last 20 years. And I just think that we're at this point um, and, and, and we can address that other point you brought up too, which is Kentucky fans not understanding that this is not our home court and, and saying, well, it's only a few extra minutes of a walk for the students to get over to Spokane arena. Number one, you have no idea what you're talking about. Stop trying to tell Gonzaga fans what we have the right to be outraged about period. You, you are a fan base that, 
that, uh, you know, for the, for lack of, of a better term, it was literally trying to get Calipari fired two months ago, like literally <laughs> complaining constantly. I, I saw hundreds of tweets. Calipari needs to go. It's time to get Calipari out. And now all of a sudden he's gone again because he got Mark Few to agree to play at Spokane Arena. Like the what? amount, literally the same people that are that were talking about at what point do we need to have a tough conversation and talk about that lifetime contract? At what point do we have a conversation about he's just not getting it done? We haven't won a game since 2019. Those people are telling me that John Calipari is my daddy today. And it's like, where? What did, when did that happen? When did the switch happen? When did it go like, see, he gets what he wants. He just gets whatever he needs. He, he's a godfather. You, you, you get, he gives you an offer you can't refuse. Big bank, brother. And it's like, dude, you don't believe in this guy. And I guess once... You know, summer practices start is when you start buying in again. Like, I thought that Gonzaga fans had it bad with, like, how tragic sometimes March and April ends and and how we're going to do it to ourselves again next year. But the level of just highs and lows. Like, there are literal people in my mentions that I did wellness checks on when Kentucky lost to St. Peter's. And it's just like the idea that like Cal Perry is this fearless leader, this fearless leader that uh, would, would never duck a hostile environment. I did the math. In the last 10 years, John Calipari has played 14 true non-conference road games. None of those were against non-power conference teams. They were all power conference teams. Four plus of those games were part of conference agreements, Big 12, SEC battle, ACC, SEC battle, all of those in the middle of the season. Outside of that, it's Louisville, and that's it. And yes, I understand you're in the SEC. You don't have to play these true away games. But he's also not fighting really hard to do him, and he's getting a record against Louisville, Indiana, teams of that nature of four and ten. So if you're telling me that he wouldn't want to avoid playing in a hostile student environment, especially one that has like one of the longest active home winning streaks, you're <laughs> he did it before. He did it before when he was with Memphis in Conference USA. He played Big Bank. You're telling me he's not going to do Big Bank with Big Blue Nation? I got to ask, those four wins, were they all against Louisville? Here, let me pull it up. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were all against Louisville, and I'm pretty sure they were all, like, in this last decade against Louisville when they were down bad after the whole Rick Pitino scandal you know, well, excuse me, the whole seven Rick Patino scandals and whatever else was going on in Louisville at the time. Okay, like, so so last year they beat Kansas really decisively in Fog Allen. They beat West Virginia. That was also part of a Big 12 SEC series. Mm -hmm. They beat Louisville. And they beat Louisville. Yeah, that's okay. it. Okay, so yeah, yeah. I, I figured it was mostly Louisville. And, you know... It, like so at the end of the day like we we spent all season railing against auburn fans and their usage of insane memes kentucky fans are just a meme that's just what they are like every interaction with kentucky fans they don't even have to create a meme 
And it's just it just becomes one. Like this there. this uh this dude that keeps like badgering you and me to go on their podcast uh with Kentucky and I'm just like you every interaction with you results in you trolling. Like there is nothing Bro. about your interactions that are legitimate or real in any way. There, there are so many moments in the last two days that I've wanted to ask these Kentucky fans: Is this a bit? Are you doing a bit right now? Is this? Are you like? Are you playing a character? Uh, at the amount of t- conversations about sourcing and sources, when literally this dude is the guy that started the Timmy time rumor that Drew Timmy was going to transfer to Kentucky, right. foot uh, footsteps on campus. Uh, Having the gall to to tweet at his mom like that—that's a little odd to manifest destiny, a, a rumor that would never happen. Um, yeah, I, it's just I want to I want to ask Caldwell because you really ninety nine percent of your interactions on Twitter are with Gonzaga fans, so you're you're relatively as unbiased as a Gonzaga fan can be in your relations with Kentucky. Is this the most annoying fan base in college sports? <laughs> oh, it's right up there. Um, I I don't know. Probably. I, I can't even think of another one that could be. Maybe Alabama and Alabama football. I can't yeah, say that. I could see that. I mean, that'd probably, that'd probably be the big one. But, I mean, um, for, for basketball okay. especially, Kentucky basketball has to be well, the most annoying uh, fan base. Kentucky so, hasn't been really relevant in basketball the last 10 years since their last title they've been subpar and these fans think they're elite there there's one team that's in the last 10 years it's really elite record wise elite runs in the ncaa tournament and it's not kentucky they are playing that team in november but i'm just saying it's not kentucky and it's not an elite they they think they're elite they think they're better than everyone and i just I stay clear of it, except for every once in a while, I'll find some random like University of Minnesota fan who makes a comment about Ch- Chet Holmgren coming to Minnesota. I just have to put him in their place. That's about the only outside of God's like, <laughs> yeah. I deal yeah. with. I just I try to stay clear of it because yeah. it just it exhausts me. It's it's almost as I, bad. It's almost as bad as Mariner fans because we've been let down so much. We are having a historical year this year, and everyone's like, "We're not going to make the playoffs." We just we know <laughs> we know we're going to choke. So but much pain, so much pain. Kentucky's on the opposite end of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kentucky, Kentucky's like the the Yankees in the in the late aughts. Like after after uh, Roger was gone, after that whole crew was gone, uh, a Rod Jeter, like that weird window of just like nothing. Yeah, uh, exactly. But, but okay, so I have become entrenched with the SEC. I uh, I have become friends with the Auburn community. Infiltrated. They have, they, have, they have been kind enough to let me in and see beyond the curtains, beyond the chance of SEC at every single major sporting event and championship game that one of the SEC teams is in. Got to tell you, we are so lucky that the University of Georgia is bad at everything but football because that fan base is horrific. Like, uh, it's weird because they're smart. Georgia's a good school. Uh, They live in metropolitan areas like Atlanta. You think they're going to be normal dudes? No. You know what they do to you when it's game day in football? Even baseball, I've heard. But their basketball team, thank you, Tom Crean, has been – and now Foxy, thank you so much. 
has been bad enough that we don't have to worry about it. But at football games on game day, not at football games, anywhere, grocery store, parking lot, wherever you see them, these mofos with Kirby smart visors will walk up to you and out of nowhere start. They bark. That's their that's their chant. Their chant is barking at you. And yeah, that, like, might, that might be a little bit more annoying than... And and not just that, but if you're uh, wearing another team's apparel at a Georgia football game, they don't yell slurs or throw things at you. They stick their chests out and big dog you all the way throughout the venue into the parking lot. So SEC in general, mad men, mad women, mad folk. Through and through. I don't know. I like if conference realignment happens, God forbid, and, and the, the choices, you can either go to SEC or SEC light. I'm picking SEC light when there's two conferences because I can't I can't do it. The, I, the last the last thing I'm going to say about this, this whole Kentucky Gonzaga in quote home and home agreement is kind of based on what Gary Parrish was talking about. Uh, in his article the other day um and you know he he said in in you know he's like i'm not i'm not a gonzaga fan i'm not rooting for gonzaga to win this game by any means but i am rooting for kentucky to play this game in mccarthy athletic center because it is good for college basketball it's good for everything we hold dear the environment is special it's it's up there with you know with with the best of the best in the country and you know Kentucky should not be shying away from hostile environments. It's it's good for your team to go into a hostile environment and see what happens. Like, and I I on the opposite end of that spectrum, Mark Few said when he called into the 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 thing, the telephone with Cal Calipari, he literally said, "We've never played it, Rupp. It should be fun." Like he he's not shying away from playing in one of the hollowed venues of college basketball. Because he knows it's good for his players, it's good for the program, and it's good for the sport. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what Kentucky should be doing in this, uh, you know, agreement by coming to, to Spokane and playing at McCarthy. A couple more things on this. One, the Kentucky fans that are saying, "Why are you guys so mad that you have more fans in the stadium now? Why are you so why Why would John Calipari be afraid and say, you know what? I want six thousand more fans at the game." That's because you watch games at Rupp Arena, which is a terrible college basketball environment. It's a shopping mall. It has the atmosphere of a food court at a fair. Like that is why. Because you're not involved with high-level stake, fun home environments. Because you play, buy games, and then do the SEC rigmarole. That's it. That's all you do. And you know what? Ultimately, who you think you are and what you think your program is, Caldy, I know you said Gonzaga, but there's a program that's a blue blood that I'm thinking of right now that goes up toe-to-toe with Kentucky in terms of national title relevancy, that goes toe-to-toe with Kentucky in terms of professional basketball-playing talent, uh, in terms of legacy coaches, maybe two of the most like legendary coaches of both the, the older game and the modern game. And you know what? That team's North Carolina. And you know what they did? They played in the McCarthy Athletic Center. Roy Williams was not afraid. Not afraid at all. Yeah. 
and Roy Williams doesn't use his friendship with Mark View to dodge anything. He came square, square toe to toe, and it was a great game, great atmosphere, great for college basketball. And John Calipari needs to use his friendship with Mark View to do the same thing: get into the McCarthy, play it where it needs to be. Yeah, it's it's I I'm I'm done platforming for Kentucky fans. They're not coming on the podcast. I'm not going on their podcast. We're we're not giving them any more attention than they deserve. Sign my change.org petition, please. Get this game in the Mac. <laughs> All right, let's let's change uh, gears a little bit. We got we got the recruiting guru on the show, Caldwell. You've been there. You've been seeing what's going on behind the scenes for the last few years. Um, you also have to deal with, you know, in your forums, on your site, some, you know, some people that occasionally complain a little bit about where the recruiting might have been heading uh, during 2022 and 2023. Um, I, you know, I, I remember during 22, uh, Anthony Black was really the only big target we kind of went after for, for most of that recruiting class. And then it, it didn't happen. And then later on, Bob Miller kind of, you know, was scuttled a little bit when, when Timmy announced he was coming back. Um, and, and, you know, during this time, we've kind of been saying, I, th- I think you said it, uh, I've said it on Twitter a few times that 20, 2023 was maybe more of the priority class all along, but things have kind of changed a little bit there, haven't they, over the last uh, few months? Like 2023 isn't really shaping up necessarily to be the priority anymore. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, I mean, you're just watching when you're projecting these kids and roster management, stuff like that. You're projecting them as freshmen and you watch them grow and things change. Um, Class of 2023 and 2022 and partly 2024. So you've got all three of these classes back to back to back really got hammered by COVID. I mean, they shut down. These kids in prime development time did not have the ability to play. Um, So development, you're seeing these kids that, maybe are behind where they would have been if they were in the class of 2020 or 2021 even. Um, and so what, what you're seeing is with how things change at the NCAA transfer portal, like these coaches are like, well, why don't, why don't we just wait? Why, why don't we wait till the spring? Let's see what comes available in the transfer portal. I could take a guy that's been like Malachi Smith. He's the proven commodity. I know what I'm getting versus a guy like maybe right now, that we've been recruiting in Caden Cooper, we don't know what he's going to be like. And that's nothing against him. We just don't know. He hasn't played at the highest level of, you know, college basketball yet. So it's just changed how things are going and development. You know, are these kids good in 2023? Yeah. There's some great kids, Um, but there's fewer of them, I'd say. And when you have fewer kids, that means you have more people reaching down into the three-star, two-star ratings trying to, find a diamond in the rough. Yeah. Yeah. And Caden uh, Cooper, uh, who you mentioned, you know, he, he was pretty, he's still relatively unknown on the national scene to a lot of people because he kind of blew up this year. Um, he's still relatively low ranked on 24 sevens composite rankings, although their, their main rankings, I believe they have in the top 50 now. Um, but he, you know, one thing that really st- st- stood out to me, through this process was just his athleticism, his raw, natural athleticism. He is probably one of the most athletic players in this class, but 
if you if you look at who we landed for 2023 already and Dusty Stromer, he's a he's a very different player than that. He's very skill oriented. Um, he's already pretty developed with his offensive game. Um, and, and, you know, they, they, they're kind of a different style of player. And, you know, I think some people thought that maybe he might commit sometime this summer. Uh, to Gonzaga, especially after visiting during Hoopfest. But it sounds like things have cooled a little bit on that front and that maybe he's setting up visits with places like Texas, LSU, Alabama. What can you say kind of about that process and like where we're at with Caden Cooper? I actually just recently talked about this last, oh, within the last week on my site. Like, you know, Cooper, Cooper's good, but things don't just cool on a recruit side. Sometimes things cool from the school side too. Um, Cooper blew up in the uh, spring and he, he did well, but he made his name for himself, but um, summer was more inconsistent. And, you know, I, I don't want to say too much on a public forum, but let's just say that there's other names that I have been, talking about and other names that I know our coaches are out working hard on that, you know, is Cooper, is Cooper going to be his egg today? No. By the end of summer, no. Is somebody else going to become the priority? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I, I've been dropping some names and talking about a couple of other people that I think people need to really watch out for them. We might have a visitor for craziness in the kennel that, you know, we weren't expecting. Is that Bronny James Jr. Jr. or Bryce James Jr. Jr. or LeBron James coming back? Or? We're, we're bringing the whole family up. Oh, good. You know, we're going to bring them up for the Kentucky game. We I'm have not, more seats available. I'm not usually one for, for the clout, but um, if we could get the James family to Spokane and, you know, we could get LeBron on Spokane local TV saying Mark Few is the shiznit for everybody – I, th- I think that would be the best for our program, to be honest. Look, if we can, we if we do the UCLA thing of taking on LiAngelo Ball to get uh, a promise of Lamelo. Granted, that didn't work out for them, but I'll, you know, w- wing Bronny for six four, solid, solid college player. Get the commitment of Bryce, who is already six foot six. You know, I'll. I will. Uh, I'll. Uh, I'll watch Space Jam Legacy as many times as I need for that to happen. Oh, 100 percent. Space Jam Legacy will be on repeat in my house. My kids will memorize the lines. Um, you know, I will. I will do anything in my power to ensure that the James family is part of Gonzaga Nation. I will say though. I will say though. The the uh, the want of Bronny is as realistic as. Uh, not even Kentucky playing that game in the McCarthy Athletic Center, but Kentucky playing that game with Drake at the McCarthy Athletic Center. Oh, I, I thought I thought that's what was happening. I thought I thought Drake was coming. That's what I was told by Kentucky. Man. It's part part of the deal, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I mean, you yeah, Drake's got to come to Spokane now, right? Like, wait, you're you're telling me that's not happening, Tuck? Uh, it's not happening until Gonzaga wins the national championship. Then Drake will be a fan of Gonzaga basketball because he's oh. a fan of whoever wins the title last. Right. Okay. So on and so forth. Basically, what needs to happen is Kentucky needs to win. Gonzaga needs to win. And then we can just pass them along like the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So 
2023, I, I think that we're, we're going to see, you know, there, there's some guys that are still out there and I don't want to get too deep into like naming names and all that, but you know, we, we've heard of guys like Wesley Yates or Jacob McFarland, um, you know, obviously Caden Cooper is still a potential possibility, but um, this, this class could potentially pivot to being more of a transfer class for Gonzaga again, um, and maybe even more heavy yeah, I think- transfer market. Uh, I was going to say, um, I think part of that also comes down to who comes back off, you know, how far do we run? How far of a run do we make? Do we, do we win it all? And we're, you know, now all of a sudden, Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas, all these guys are like, Hey, we just want it all. We're testing the market. Do we need one guy or do we need four guys basically, or do we need seven? And I, I, you know, it's going to be a huge part part of it. And do we need veteran leadership? Do we need these guys that are grad transfers to bring a veteran leadership in? Um, because you know, all that's part of roster management and building roster. I think with the, how the transfer portal works, and it, you know, they kind of tried to put a deadline on it this year to get the Wild West to stop a little bit. But realistically, like it's still the Wild West, and these kids are by March, they know where their next school is going to be. They haven't declared yet. And so you got to, you got to see what's out there. Yeah. I mean, just breaking it down from a simple perspective of what this transfer portal and recruiting season was like outside of, I don't know, Kalel Weir or even Nick Smith Jr. I don't think there's a single freshman that I would take over like their upside their their potential of what they could be i don't think there's a single freshman this year that i would take over malachi at all exactly like, no. ultimate ultimately like that's the biggest recruit that Gonzaga could have landed ultimately i who would who would have a bigger impact this season malachi smith or anthony black i think it's pretty obvious you know, it's it's we've talked about this a little bit on previous episodes too, but Malachi Smith is already so highly skilled and developed. Um, we don't get transfers always that come in and are already at that level. You know, Admont Gilder, Ryan Woolridge, um, even going back to like guys like Aaron Cook and you know, you you name it on down the list. And, and a lot of these guys had to like grow and jump up a step when they got to Gonzaga. We were, we were talking about, you know, are they going to be able to shoot at that higher clip uh, from three? Was your Bolton, same thing. And, you know, with, with Malachi, he's already there. So like, if, if we see just maintained where he's been at when he was with Chattanooga, like that, that's, that's a win. And, you know, ultimately, um, I think it's it just speaks to where we're at as a program that we can add a guy like Malachi uh, to an already established group and and say just roll like you know this this is going to be a really interesting guard lineup to watch develop as the as the year progresses and I'm just really intrigued by how Malachi Regier and Nolan um, and Dom are all going to work together and Hunter uh, in that backcourt. And Julian and <laughs> yeah, I mean the list just goes on. Like it's so much depth. And you, so you look at that depth, you know, with the guards this year, and you know, even add Julian in there for the one through three, one through four. That's what we have next year too with the big guys. I mean, that's hoping that Ben Greg 
keeps developing and Caden Perry keeps developing. But then we got Efton Reed, who I imagine he's a two or three years, you know, Gonzaga guy. Um, and there's a five-star recruit. I mean, we got him in the transfer portal. We didn't get him through high school, you know. And I could think of very few five-star guys that went to LSU in this case, but another school and then transferred that I'd rather have than have to read, man. The potential, the sky's the limit there. Um, we And we didn't get him in high school. So I think, I think just how it all works and with the one-time transfer rule being in place and all that, like I think you're going to see, you know, heck, just throw out a name we've talked about. Anthony Black goes to Arkansas. Well, they have 47 people on scholarship. And he's number 45 out of the 47. So he might not get much playing time. Does he transfer at the end of the year if he doesn't blow up? And now there's a guy like him, a five-star guy. I'm not saying Gonzaga is going back in that, you know, going back there, but that is, stuff like that's potential. Yeah. I think, you know, another interesting point about this too is that it does kind of start to set up things a little bit um, for Gonzaga to dip back into the, the you know standard recruiting market for 2024 and 2025 there's there's a kid over at um liberty high school in las vegas deden thomas or dj thomas jr um he plays at the same school that julian strother played at same aau program that dom uh, harris played at um and his recruitment this this summer has really picked up um and you know he got a direct offer from coach few recently according to 24 7 sports um I, you know, what, what can you say a little bit about uh, what DJ Thomas might bring as a point guard in that 2024 class? No, DJ Thomas, he's really skilled kid. Um, I like his game. He's a little smaller than the other point guards we've been recruiting, but other than that, he's a, he's a great on ball point guard. And that's something that, you know, what happens, we have a great on ball point guard, like Nimhart last year, you know, it opens up our offense in so many ways. I think, the connections we have with his high school program and AAU program are going to go a long ways. Um, I think one thing people don't understand fully in recruiting is that a lot of these recruiting visits, a lot of these recruiting, you know, activities start with those AAU coaches. They start with those high school coaches. It's not starting with calling up, you know, the family and being like, Hey, you know, how are you? Cause we go through somebody else and say, is there any interest? And then if there's interest, then we reach out and then the whole process starts. But yeah, I think DJ Thomas is definitely one to keep an eye on. He's, he's, uh, he's good. He, he really played well this summer. He played well in front of our coaching staff a few times too. Yeah. Um, another guy that I, that, you know, we recently offered was uh, Carter Bryant out of Fountain Valley, California. He's like a six, six wing, um, top 30 player in the country for 2024. Um, I, you know, I think he's a really interesting prospect as well. Uh, can you say anything about where you've seen his game or where we might be at with him? Oh, I love Carter. Like he's probably the one guy in 2024 that I would, he's the one I'd bank, not say this is just me personally, not, not coming from anything else. He's the one that I would want to have on my team the most out of any of these recruits in 2024. He's a, just modern day wing. He's got, he can score at all three levels. He's, he's great. He, he's a kid that I, you can build a team around. Then the last guy I kind of want to talk about was uh, in, in 2025. Uh, there's a guy really not uh, too incredibly far from Spokane out in Pocatello. Um, Isaiah Harwell, or, you know, they call him Zay six, five guard out of century high school. Um, he's, 
some people are calling him a top 10 player in the country. And there's talk that he might be heading down to, to uh, the same uh, prep school that, that Nolan Hickman played at in Utah. Um, what, what do you know about Harwell? Uh, it, you know, his, his game. Oh, Harwell's a stud. I actually personally watched him because Spokane is a little ways away from Pocatello. It's a good solid nine hour drive, but um, it's not very far away from me. And I went over and watched him play at Century High School and do the kid just so some kids play down to their level of competition. This kid is just out there just tearing up his competition. And he, <laughs> did he have some did, did he have some like you know crappy games this year? He had some games that were eh, but dude, he's making these Idaho kids look like they don't know how to play basketball, which I mean they <laughs> don't, but at the same time, like he's making them look the way they're supposed to look. Like I'm just imagining this six foot five top 10 kid just crossing 14 year old farm boys who like they drank a big glass of milk before the game to get ready for it. Like oh, just there, there's, there's a school and I won't mention its name. That's right outside of the treasure Valley and their kids show up to games wearing their cowboy hats, their wranglers, you know, instead of warm up pants, they're wearing their wranglers and their cowboy hats. And they're, walking onto the court cowboy boots on then they take that off they put their basketball stuff on it's just it's how it's how idaho as a whole is but especially like eastern idaho and there's parts of southern idaho the same way they teach their they teach pivot steps by doing hoedowns they're they're watching like james naismith films because they think the basketball still play that way these guys here are a pivot and they're thinking out in their field the pivot for the sprinkle in the top five uh, sporting events in every year in in Idaho, at least three of them are rodeos, right? Oh, I was gonna say five out of five. I could probably, I mean, you got the Snaker Stampede, the top one, Caldwell Night Rodeo is the top one. Yeah. Um, man, you get up into Riggins at rodeo, that gets a little crazy up there. You, <laughs> the Kentucky fans won't come out alive from that yeah. rodeo. Idaho Idaho breeds great rodeos. They don't necessarily breed great basketball players, but Harwell is the exception. He seems very like he seems to me like to be a special kid who is going to end up at a very good. uh, Well, I was going to say I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked at all. Matter of fact, I think it might be close to done, but I think he's going to end up in Utah at prep school. Hickman was at. Yeah. So, so are you guys telling me? Sorry, I had to get this joke in. So, are you guys telling me he doesn't have that ball on a string? He has it on a lasso. <laughs> oh man, this is uh, this has been a special show today. We've gotten to to get in some of our our laughs and our bits that maybe we haven't gotten in lately. Um, Cole, yeah. I, I really want to thank you for coming on, man. This has been a pleasure to talk to you about the recruiting class and and uh, the wonderful folks out in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. That is Caldwell Zach. You can go on his website, get the insider information, caldwellzagrecruitingnews.com.